Hello, Peter. What's happening? Uh, we have sort of a problem here. Yeah, you apparently didn't put one of the new cover sheets on your TPS reports. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry about that. I, I forgot. Mm, yeah. You see, we're putting the cover sheets on all TPS reports now before they go out. Did you see the memo about this? Yeah, yeah, I have the memo right here. I just uh, forgot, but uh, it's not shipping out till tomorrow, so there's no problem. Yeah. If you could just go ahead and make sure you do that from now on, that would be great. And uh, I'll go ahead and make sure you get another copy of that memo. Okay? Hey, everyone. Welcome to The Boot. That's right. It's The Boot. We're recasting classic movie reboots so Hollywood doesn't have to do it. Guys, I'm Brian Flynn, and in the cubicle, muttering to herself quietly under her breath, Kenna Trent. Kenna, how are you? I'm great. You've worked with me too, so you know that's how uh-huh. I that's how I work. Yeah. Milton. That's how yeah, that's Milton how we met. Style. You're just muttering constantly about the things you hated at work. And I had to be like, what's her deal? And they're like, oh, she's been here a while. <laughs> we tried to fire her a long yeah. time ago, but she's still getting paychecks. We so. just fixed the glitch. <laughs> It'll work itself out. Yeah. Guys, this week we're talking about the 1999 cult classic. And when I say cult classic, I literally mean cult classic. Office Space. This movie made no money in theaters. Nope. Absolutely none. But as soon as it hit Blockbuster's shelves, oh. it became the highest grossing rental, I believe, of all time at that point. Reading the trivia about this is hilarious because if you look at the trajectory of like home entertainment, it has yeah. tanked so much. It's insane to me that something like this would be like, yeah, it made all of its money in – uh on VHS. On VHS and DVD. Did you read that trivia where like the head of home distribution was like in an interview and he didn't realize that it had made money? Like this is how the, the studio discovered they made money was uh, money was a reporter was like, hey, how about Office Space making like millions of dollars? And he was like, what are you talking about? And they like showed him the statistics and he was like, this is incredible. <laughs> Look what we've done. <laughs> so uh, Ken and I are going to pick our top five characters from the movie. Office Space, starring Ron Livingston, Jennifer Aniston, David Herman, Ajay, 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 Ajay Naidu, Nayir <laughs> and Gary Cole. Uh, and we will recast this movie as if it was being made in 2018. But before we get into that, we have we actually have a lot of reboot news this week. So we'll start with uh, some Disney, something from Disney. Tessa Thompson to voice star as Lady in Disney's Lady and the Tramp. Disney has found its Lady. Tessa Thompson will voice the upscale Cocker Spaniel opposite Justin Thoreau's Tramp in Disney's live-action CGI hybrid remake of The Lady and the Tramp. The Lego Ninjago movie filmmaker Charlie Bean is directing the remake, which is expected to debut on Disney's upcoming digital stream service set to launch in 2019. Ashley Jensen is set to play Scottish Terrier Jackie, while Doctor Strange star Benedict Wong has been cast to voice English Bulldog Bull. Kirstie Clemens will play the human character Darling, the owner of Lady. Um... We talked about this a little bit off the pod, but uh, love Thoreau. Love him. Love Tessa Thompson. Love Tessa Thompson, yeah. <clears throat> don't – I don't know how I feel about the idea of this being a, a live-action CGI hybrid. Well, we talked about this when we were talking about the Rugrats movie. Yeah. Like how – like I think it's easier for animals maybe to – I don't know. I don't know Like though. Dumbo. Dumbo is going to be a CGI character. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, and surrounded by humans. That sort of makes sense. I feel like animals, I don't know, because why not just do the thing where you have like real dogs and then you just make their mouths move? Maybe that just looks unnatural. Maybe that was like a 90s. Of course it looks Early unnatural. aughts thing. Dogs don't talk. No, but I just mean like, I think Disney really wants to. For some reason, they want to take these, like, animated classics and try and make them live-action classics. Yeah. And I don't know... I, I, I Which, mean, I feel like they were sort of pushing the envelope with things like Beauty and the Beast, where it's like, okay, the furniture is going to come to life with the human characters. I don't know about this, though. Why? CGI dogs, real people, falling in love, eating spaghetti. Haven't you a family? One for every day of the week. The point is, none of them have me. I'm afraid I don't understand. It's simple. You see, Pidge, when you're footloose and collar-free, well, you take nothing but the best. I, I'm a little more up on this than maybe you are. Oh, just because okay. I think this cast is incredible. Um, don't the owners fall in love in Lady and the Tramp? I don't know. Lady and the Tramp was never one of my favorites. I don't so really I don't, remember it. I probably watched it maybe once or twice in my life. Yeah, me too. I'm kind of imagining like an adult rom-com story arc for this children's movie. Where, okay. Like, they get together. They get together. There's like romance. And then like Tramp Something. cheats on her with like. <laughs> Something happens and you find out what a real Trampy is. Yeah. And then. He's got like a side bitch. hey Dog joke. Yeah, we should just, we should really just move on after that. <laughs> yeah, let's move on. Let's move on to more reboot news. Charlie's Angels. Kristen Stewart, Naomi Scott confirmed with Ella Balinska set to star in Elizabeth Banks' directed reboot. Charlie has found his angels, period. Kristen Stewart and Naomi Scott are officially confirmed to star in Elizabeth Banks' Charlie's Angels reboot with newcomer British actress Ella Balinska completing the crime-fighting trio. Banks is pulling double duty on the Sony Pictures pick, serving as the film's director while playing Bosley, the handler and intermediary between the detectives and their elusive employer. Voiced in the original series by Dynasty's John Forsyth's Dynasty fans, Jay Basu and Banks pinned the script based on earlier drafts by Craig Mazin and Semi Cellus. Semi or Shemi? Uh, I'm sorry. Cellus. I don't know how to say your name. The pick will now be released September 27th. 2019. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for the Charlie's Angels reboot? Um, yeah, you know what? I think like Star Wars, every generation should have their Charlie's Angels. You know what I mean? Uh, that does not compute. You don't get to say every generation every has generation's theirs. Every generation is going to get their Charlie's Angels. And then you say 70s. This movie came out, Charlie's Angels came out in 2000. Yeah. And now in 2018, we're like new generation. Yeah, follow my logic real quick. <laughs> Please mansplain time to me. It's not okay. <laughs> the original Charlie's Angels came out in the seventies. Uh huh. You know what else came out in the seventies? The, the Star Wars franchise. Okay. Then in the late nineties, they were like, "Hey, let's make more of these." Yeah, that went super well. <laughs> went super well. Super well. And now, the youngest of generations is finally going to get there. Is the youngest of generations interested in Charlie's Angels? Why not? That's a great question. Look, uh, all joking aside, <laughs> yes, I'm going to watch this movie. I, I think Elizabeth Banks, uh, I, I, I think it's like finally giving a property like this to a very successful comedic actress, someone who's like 
has shepherded. She did. She she did the last Pitch Perfect movie, right? Mm-hmm. She did the last two. Or just the third one? I think it's just the third one. Okay. Yeah, I, I think it's great. And and this cast actually is really kind of interesting to me. Like Kristen Stewart, she could do any number of indie movies. She could do any number of maybe Oscar contenders. But she's like, no, I want to kick ass and show women around the world that like Charlie's Angels is fucking cool. It is fucking cool. It's three women who speak to a radio and then they go solve crimes. It's three women who are referred to by the man they work for as angels once upon a time there were three little girls who went to the police academy and they were each assigned very hazardous duties but i took them away from all that and now they work for me my name is charlie so you're saying the are you saying the term is sexist calling them angels of sexist no i'm tell that to the los angeles angels of anaheim kenna i can't This city is so messed up, friends. What What I'm saying is they're called Charlie's Angels, which Mm, in the 70s made mm. sense because they were Charlie's Angels. And for some reason, that was okay. Now it's a little bit like, let's make them cool. Let's give them a... Charlie's now a woman. No, Bosley is now a woman. Oh, okay. Yeah, I see what you're saying now. (laughs) Because yeah, no, feels a little weird. Totally, make Charlie a woman. Yeah, and we're totally make Charlie. It's a simple would, fix. Who would be a great Charlie? Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep. <laughs> <laughs> like it literally was just like yeah, Meryl Streep. Um, Meryl Streep. Share. Julia Roberts. Sandra Bullock. Sandra Bullock. You know what? Cameron Diaz. I don't care. Lucy Liu would actually be a great Charlie. Bring Cameron Diaz out of retirement. This is what yeah, we got. She, yeah, retired. she retired. Bring her out. Uh, okay. Sony developing remake of Bruce Willis's 1980s comedy Blind Date. Sony Pictures is developing a remake of the 1987 Bruce Willis starring comedy Blind Date and has tapped scribes Chris Hazard and Michael Fontana to pen the script, which will take on the modern world of dating. The original was directed by Blake Edwards and marked the first leading role for Willis. It followed bachelor Walter Davis, played by Willis, who was set up on a seemingly innocent blind date with his sister-in-law's cousin, Nadia, played by Kim Basinger. As the evening goes on, Nadia begins to drink, and her behavior gets increasingly wild, leading to a disastrous date night. I have never seen this movie. I didn't even know this movie existed. Yeah, me neither. So you're telling me that famed action star Bruce Willis, who mm-hmm. does have kind of a funny bone in him, yeah, is set up on a date with Kim also, Basinger? gifted musician. Wait, what? <laughs> You've never heard Bruce Willis sing? What? You've never heard this before? One of us is living in a reality that the other one is not. Which one is it? That's very true. Bruce Willis has hits. <laughs> hits? <laughs> Are we calling this hit? Are they calling the them hits? Yeah. Respect I, yourself. Okay. Well, Respect yourself. Move, I, uh, the thing I was thinking about is this description of Kim Basinger is just a little shocking to me. So I, I have that no... That she becomes drunk and well, unruly on a date night? Well, the, just the kind of like the leading comedian... That's that's all I'm saying. Oh uh, yeah, that's not her typical role, right? So that's why I'm kind of like, oh, th- I I, I want to know more about this movie. Have you seen this movie? No, but I put it on here because I thought it was a really interesting remake for today. 
because how easy would it be to be like someone hops on a dating app? I mean, I'm just going to write this movie for you. They're swiping left and right. And eventually they go out on a date with someone who uh-huh. seems great at first. And then one reason or another, like leads them on this crazy night. Okay. Um, um, obviously it would star. I'm more interested in who like the Kim Basinger role would go to mm. because it would be very easy to just give, like give it to Mila Kunis or something like that. But like, yeah. is there someone that like maybe we haven't thought about who could, who like Kim Basinger is, dr- is a dramatic actress. So like, is there someone who, who could kind of like Who's a dramatic actress? Yeah. Who, I mean, uh, who do, who do I think? It, I think somebody like Jessica Chastain would be really funny because she is like, a dramatic actress so to see her take a complete left turn during the movie i think Mm -hmm. would be really enjoyable not that this is important but she is 41 years old yeah okay she looks great i'm just saying like are we gonna watch a movie about a 40 year old woman on a dating app we made it 29 episodes in and (laughs) i found out that brian i'm an ageist ageist on both sides now we gotta stop it's been great see you later wrap it up and cue the Bruce Willis music. Um, yeah, I just I think this is I think it's a fun idea to remake this because a lot of people probably don't know that it's going to be a remake, and it totally fits into the zeitgeist now about how like so many millennials now are going on blind dates constantly because you're meeting people yeah. online. No, I agree. The story, the premise, it absolutely hundred mm-hmm. percent makes sense. All right. Cool. Paramount Players plots remake of Indecent Proposal. Aaron Cressida Wilson is writing. I feel like I have to use that voice. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Paramount Players has set Aaron Cressida Wilson to script a new version of Indecent Proposal, the 1993 Adrian Lynn directed film about the consequences of a financially strapped couple that succumbs to a $1 million offer from a rich man to sleep with his wife. Robert Redford, Demi Moore, and Woody Harrelson starred in the hit. It will be Interesting to see how the politics of the hashtag MeToo movement dovetail into this narrative. In the original, the young husband cannot handle the results of the Faustian bargain as jealousy threatens to destroy the marriage. This follows Sony's setting of a remake of Jagged Edge, which we talked about on this podcast, Mm -hmm. as a vehicle for Halle Berry based on the 1985 sexually charged thriller. Melissa London Hilfers was just hired to write that script. Take it off the list. This yeah, would have been a good one. Do indecent proposal, um, and it is. I mean, we didn't know Jagged Edge before we talked about it on the pod, but right. um, it is in the same vein of like they're going to start remaking these sexy thrillers. Suppose I were to offer you one million dollars for one night with your wife. I'd assume you're kidding. Let's pretend I'm not. What would you say? He'd tell you to go to hell. I didn't hear him. Part of the sentence that I was kind of thinking about is um, when they were talking about it, it will be interesting to see how the politics of the hashtag Me Too movement dovetail into this narrative. I kind of was thinking about it in terms of like it's still to me about class warfare as well. Like mm-hmm. I think that's equally a strong theme in the story of just like someone who has everything and can buy anything tries to literally like buy someone's wife for a night Ugh. and and – the idea of like – I haven't seen this movie in a long time, so I don't really remember Woody Harrelson's economic status. But I'd like you can kind of see it translate to today's political and socioeconomical landscape. So yeah, I, I, I'm interested in seeing it. I 
but for this podcast specifically, not to go on too much of a diatribe, who's the like sexy old man that you would like be like, okay, well, this is at least compelling. You know what I mean? Like, because it, it can't be like a creepy old man. It has to be, it has to be like a George Clooney who's just like, George Clooney could never do this. Like, that, that's wrong. Like, but it's, you know, it's like someone like George Clooney. Hmm. I know Brad Pitt's not your favorite, but like, you know, that that kind no, of I don't like Brad Pitt but like who who do you th- that that to me is also like the linchpin of this is like who's the old who's like the old hmm. rich man who's gonna come in and kind of try and propose this said indecency it's <laughs> a great question uh, uh, hmm. Pierce Brosnan yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, Liam Neeson, or is is that like a little too old? Maybe Colin Firth is he too old? He's still very attractive. Antonio Banderas. Antonio Banderas is really good. Yeah, give him some flavor. Denzel. Mm, Maybe Goldblum. Wow. Yeah. Jeff Goldblum. (laughs) In case you didn't know who Goldblum (laughs) was, you were confusing him. Okay, we gotta move on. Okay. All right, guys, let's get into this reboot of Office Space. Kenna, why don't you drone on about the the memorandum that we that we give every week? Did you get the memo? Did you get the memo? Uh, this is a podcast best listened to with an open IMDb. We may talk about some people you've never heard of. That's probably going to happen. And you're going to want to look them up. We will be talking about a movie that you may not have seen. If you haven't seen Office Space, pause this right now and go watch it. It's a laugh riot. Now to the rules. Rule number one. No remakes, reboots, or long-lost sequels. We can't do a movie that has already been redone in the last 20 years. This includes franchises like... Batman. Batman. Uh, Halloween. Halloween. Uh, Scream. Okay, that's enough. Uh, That pop back up with sequels every few decades. We've also, I feel like we got to remind people about this. So if you know of anything that you're like, maybe it's been sitting in development hell forever. If a remake has been rumored for more than two years with no forward movement, we're calling it fair game. So let us know on Twitter if you got any suggestions. Rule number two, no imaginary casting. Our dream cast must be made up of actors that are alive and working today. And rule number three, no tender casting. We can't cast someone just based on how they look. You have to have seen their work and be able to vouch for their talent. No Ron Livingston lookalikes. Mm. They're out there. That's a shame. He's a handsome man. He is a handsome man. Um, okay, guys. This is the reboot of Office Space. I'm Bob Slidell. This is my associate, Bob Porter. Hi, Bob. Bob? Pretty much go ahead and grab a seat and join us for a minute. You see, what we're actually trying to do here is we're just... We're trying to get a feel for how people spend their day at work. So, if you would, would you walk us through a typical day for you... Well, I generally come in at least 15 minutes late. Uh, I use the side door. That way Lumberg can't see me. <laughs> and, uh, and after that, I just sort of space out for about an hour. Tell but, uh, space out? Yeah. I just stare at my desk. But it looks like I'm working. I do that for uh, probably another hour after lunch, too. I'd say in a given week, I probably only do about 15 minutes of real, actual work uh peter would you be a good sport and indulge us and just tell us a little more oh yeah let me tell you something about tps reports uh 
Office Space starring Ron Livingston as Peter Gibbons, Jennifer Aniston as Joanna, David Herman as Michael Bolton, Ajay Naidu. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that, but I will pronounce correctly. Okay. Samir Naina Najar. <laughs> Nai Najar. Naina Najar. Um, and Gary Cole as Bill Lumberg. This movie was such a joy to rewatch. Yeah. Um, and it it I remember as a kid watching this movie and being like, I never want to work in an office like this. Because I feel like I think I watched it for the first time in high school and I was like, I understand why this is funny, but not until you've worked in an office. Yeah. Any office. Any are office. you like, oh, my gosh. Do you know? Do you know a Bill Lumberg in your life? Do I know a Bill Lumberg? <clears throat> I don't I don't think so. I don't think in any of the offices I've worked in, we've had a Lumberg. Like the monotony, the kind of like one tone voice that will like Chinese water torture you to like set the building on fire. I don't I don't know if I've had that. I've definitely had bosses that I've disagreed with and who I didn't get along with. But well, I we work in uh, the entertainment industry. So I feel like our <laughs> our terrible bosses are a different kind of boss. Like if you right. have a bad boss, they're probably <clears throat> screaming constantly. Yeah. My dad used to work in kind of the same sort of business, like very tech centered. And I when I was watching it this time, I was kind of like, I really hope my dad wasn't someone's Bill Lumberg. <laughs> you know mm. what I mean? Like I just kept thinking like I don't know. I, I just had this vision, like, am I the son of Bill Lumberg? Her children would have hooves. Which would be really an awful thing to kind of <laughs> think am about. Am I a Lumberg? I have a question. Yeah. What does Inatech do? They rewrite bank software for the – the, okay, so for that's the Y2K the, That's what the whole company does or that's just what Peter does? I think they – I think the they have clients who come to them to help, like, rewrite software. Mm -hmm. So I think Inatech is a farm of computer programmers that um, they get sort of like these contract projects. Uh So like all these banks are like, you need to reprogram our our bank software to adjust for the Y2K turnover, which by the way, if you are a young audience member and don't know what Y2K was, it literally means the the millennial uh, new year. So like the bank software, you know what? Peter Gibbons explains it in the movie. It's interesting because I, when I was reading the trivia, I realized that, I mean, obviously it was uh, alive when (laughs) the year 2000 happened. Oh, congrats. I remember people being like, Y2K, it's just going to shut the, it's going to shut the whole world world, down. And I don't think I fully understood what it was or why. And then reading through the like watching the movie and then reading through the trivia and like reading it out, I was like, oh, that's what people thought was going to happen. It was the digital rapture. And it makes a little sense. Like if they hadn't – the lack of foresight on computer programmers when computers were first invented really shot us in the foot when it came to – They didn't know. They were literally writing code on like paper cards. Like I had an aunt whose job at a college – was to like punch code into paper cards. Huh. And you would feed the computer the paper card. And that that's how computer programming used to be. So I like it's a mir- it was a miracle that we even got to the point where they were like, "Hey, all of our computers might collapse if we don't figure this out within 3 years." Which is so funny that we thought that in the year 2000 <clears throat> 
that something like that was going to like shut down the world when now it's like we're creating robots to think and they oh, might yeah. just I know <laughs> cuz robots are going to take over the world. I want them to. I'm tired. Oh. <laughs> just holding the world on your shoulders. Exhausting. Oh my god, you guys don't even know how much I protect you at night. Your life is in my hands. Um, Will a robot please come take yeah. my job? Uh, let's get into the casting of Peter Gibbons because, um, man, his life seems so awful. <laughs> at least at the start. It, and it's so rewarding to kind of watch him in the beginning just trudge through. There is something about when he says when he's at the therapist and he says like. Ever since I started working, um, every single day of my life has been worse than the day before it. So that means that every single day that you see me, that's on the worst day of my life. What about today? Is today the worst day of your life? Yeah. Wow, that's messed up. And even though it's supposed to be funny, like there's something as it's happening on screen, I feel like I'm always like, oh, man. Like, yeah, even the therapist is like, so sad. Even the therapist is like, wow, that's fucked up. So sad. Um, yeah, I uh, who wants to go first? Um, I'll go first. OK. Um, I, well, I'll get into exactly how I did my casting as we move through in a tech, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, Peter has just got to be pretty vanilla, just wants to live his life, go fishing, not to be bossed around. Like he's a very average person. Mm-hmm. And so I had to find someone who, cause just thinking about Ron Livingston playing the part, I'm like, Ron Livingston is not a comedian. Like he is adeptly playing the lead of this comedy, which I think works because he he just has like he is vanilla the flavor. Like he is just the most plain he could possibly he's be. A, he's an everyman. Um, like in, in 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 like a very granola kind of way. Yeah, because you have to kind of embody his point of view, mm-hmm. or else you're just gonna think he's like insane. Yeah, but. yeah. So. <clears throat> The person that I picked, I feel like, is also very, he's very everyman. Like, when everything I've seen him in, you can sort of identify with him as as a person who's just not trying to cause trouble, just trying to make things work, just trying to float by. I feel like I'm building this up and nobody's going to know who I'm talking about. I picked a man by the name of John Reynolds, whom... If you have seen Search Party, you will recognize as Drew. Search Party starring Ron Livingston. Oh, that's right. Season one. I forgot about him. I haven't seen season two yet, so I don't know if he season reappears. Season two is but. so good. Guys, if you haven't seen Search Party, it is truly phenomenal television. And it's on TBS. Mm-hmm. Um, he also appears in Stranger Things as one of the police officers very briefly. He's not done a ton of stuff. Um, mostly comedy. But yeah, it's he is just the kind of person. He's very tall and he's good looking. He's really funny too. But there is something about the kind of humor that he brings as like the voice of reason who sort of starts to lose his mind that I as soon as I thought of him I was like it's kind of perfect. Yeah. Also, I will say this. <clears throat> I didn't necessarily I wouldn't call what I did gender swapping for some of these parts. I really just went with who I thought was best for the part, who I thought embodied Mm -hmm. it. And some of those people later you'll find are women. But 
the thing that I thought was most one of the most important things because I almost cast a woman as Peter's part, mm-hmm. and then I thought about it and I was like, it has to be a white man, and the reason it has mm-hmm. to be a, the reason it has to be a white. Stay with me, but yeah, it has to be a white man because Peter ends up getting a promotion for being a straight shooter in the sort of way mm. that women and people of color cannot get away with. Samir and I are the best programmers they got at that place. And you, you haven't been showing up and you get to keep your job. Actually, I'm being promoted. What? I know, Michael. It's completely unfair. And I realized something today. It's not just about me and my dream of doing nothing. It's about all of us together. And so I think in order for this to work, a white man has to be Peter because... He has to fail upwards so gloriously in a way that other people groups cannot do. That's a very good point. I didn't I didn't consider that. And time uh, to wake up, Brian. <laughs> no, it's not tw- that. No, I know why. 2018. I, what I'm saying is that like that part of the story, like that, that plot point mm-hmm. is very important because he realizes it and he he he, he it becomes aware that it's wrong. Like when he's yeah. talking to Michael about how, you know, Michael's getting fired even though Peter hasn't been showing up to work and he's getting promoted. Yeah. And it it elevates the sort of mini heist that they kind of go on in the in the second third act. So, um I like that pick because I almost picked him. Really? Oh yeah, I was very close to picking him. Um and maybe this is an error on my part, but I kept thinking about like an office space of today. So, mm-hmm. like the idea of like rewriting bank code for the millennial switch, I was like, okay, I, like it didn't cross my mind l- until you just said it. Now I kept thinking about like a more modern office setting today. Did you cast a robot? <laughs> yeah, I, I cast uh, fucking Alan Tudyk's robot from Rogue One. I don't remember the. Did you cast Data, Star Trek: The Next oh, Generation? Wish. Shout out to uh, Brett Spiner. He's no, what's, but what I, I kind of made a face at you when you said John Reynolds, because I did gender swap this role <gasps> and I cast Alia Shawkat <gasps> from Search Party and Arrested Development and, and Green they Room. play, uh, they're uh, a couple. In they're a Search couple. Party. Yeah. And uh, the reason I picked her was because I kept seeing, I watched this like really like What's the word I'm looking for? Not janky, but it was it was like a bootlegged. <laughs> it, it was like a bootlegged behind the scenes. Such of a this millennial movie. way to refer to something. What bootleg? Janky. Oh, janky. Yeah. Well, I don't know. It was. He's a millennial. It was low res. <laughs> it was low quality. <laughs> um, it, of this like behind the scenes documentary of like the making of, and Ron Livingston was like he was just like Peter's someone who just like gets like absorbed into something very quickly and becomes mm-hmm. very like active in the thing that he does. So when you're meeting him, he's been at in a tech for maybe years. And so like his soul has died. And then as soon as he gets hypnotized, he just like embraces this new sort of like sort of fuck it lifestyle. Yeah. So I kind of was looking for an actor who could feel the pressure of working under someone's thumb for a while, then switch and completely not give a fuck about anything Mm -hmm. for another act and then kind of turn into this like essentially a criminal i don't know about you guys but i'm tired of being pushed around aren't you yes peter but i'm not doing to do anything illegal illegal samir this is america this isn't Riyadh. so there's like this change in in the way that like peter kind of functions and i just thought alia shawkat is someone who is at least her character on arrested development is like a constant schemer 
Like, Marry me. <laughs> right. <laughs> and in search party, she's someone who's like, she doesn't know what she wants to do with her life. Like she's mm-hmm. completely lost her way until she finds this crime. She becomes obsessed. She becomes obsessed with it. That's true. So I, I picked her in that way, but you do make a great point about like, could she fail upwards? But then I was like, yeah, maybe failed upwards constantly in, in Arrested <laughs> Development. So I was like, that's kind of what I settled on. The rules of Arrested Development do not apply. <laughs> Sure. Right. The, we're, n- we're not in the world that that exists. Right. We're not in the Arrested Development universe. We're in the Mike Judge universe. Um, uh, but so that that's that. I think that's funny though. I I still feel like our brains were kind you know of on the same. Super wavelength. interesting. Just to counteract what you just said was very interesting. Is that Alia Shawkat was the last name I wrote down before I decided to switch. That's funny. Because I, when I looked at Search Party, I was like, oh, no, it's got to be this guy. Yeah. We were zeroing in on the, the wow. same kind of thing. Are we becoming one? <laughs> we are artificial intelligence now. We're joining the collective. This is the singularity. What's the thing called where all the Borg exist? What is it the collective? It? Is it the collective? I don't remember. I remember their ship is a cube, though, which is dope yeah. as hell. Uh, okay, Aww. let's move on to Joanna, played by Jennifer Aniston. Um she is so fucking good in this movie. Like it's I feel like she has become the sort of personality that and maybe this wasn't the case when this movie was made, but I feel like we see her as Jennifer Aniston. And yeah. so it's difficult for us to separate and be like Jennifer Aniston is a really good comedic actress. She's very good. But she's very good. Yeah. And so seeing this was definitely a huge reminder that I was like she She's got it. And I loved how they featured an aspect of like an, the American – I don't know how I how you phrase this, right? Like work economy but like the work life of you go to a technological park mm-hmm. and then across the street is like – Is like a Bennigan's? Yeah, like the fast family food restaurant I thought is so fucking brilliant. And to have her have her own Lumberg – played by Mike Judge by the way. The, yeah. The, her really boss like. is Mike Judge. You see how these two would naturally meet. Mm-hmm. So it's not like he's pining over this girl who's like everything that he believes, but it's just like, no, they're just stuck in yeah. this like ecosystem that they both fucking hate. We need to talk about your flair. I, I have 15 pieces on. Okay, I, 15 is the minimum. Okay, so you, you want me to wear more? Look, Joanna, people can get a cheeseburger anywhere, okay? They come to tchotchkes for the atmosphere and the attitude. Okay, so more than, yeah? And the, it's like natural that they should kind of rebel with each other. <laughs> Do you remember that? Um, uh, f- this is weird because this was such a specific time in Facebook history. There used to be like Facebook apps mm-hmm. and one of them was called Pieces of Flair. Oh, yeah. I and you could that. like – And there was like mafia and like vampire. Yeah. And like send to your friends. Mm-hmm. And that's what I went down – I took a quick trip down memory lane. When they were talking about her pieces of flair. <laughs> Have you ever worked like, in the restaurant business or no, food service no, 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 industry? No. I haven't either. I've I, done I, retail. I haven't done food service. I've done catering, but I never had to like wait on anyone. Was it like anyone. party down? It was. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, I never had sex with any guests or anything, mm-hmm. but it was like, get high in the van, eat the food while you're cooking it. <laughs> take all the booze back to your friends. Like, yeah, it was really like cater caterers fucking hate being there they're gonna do everything to just kind of wow subvert your event not on purpose but interesting anyways that was a very long-winded story so when i was thinking about joanna mm-hmm. i i was trying to pick someone who w- was kind of like the cool girl like joanna kind of is but also someone who i i 
Jennifer Anderson was very good in this part, so I wanted to pick an actress who I thought could be very good mm-hmm. while also being – I don't like using this term, but the kind of like the cool girl who will like go along with it because she doesn't really go along with it, but she never gets really angry at Peter. She's mm. just like – like when, the, when they're leaving the barbecue and she – no, when they're going to the barbecue and she's kind of telling him that he's a thief, right? Like yeah. Um, but she has this very calm demeanor about it. Like, she's not really mad. She's just kind of like, this is this is a dumb idea. Like, you shouldn't do this. So you're stealing. Uh, no, no, you don't understand. It's, uh, it's very complicated. So I'm talking about fractions of a penny here. And uh, over time, they add up to a lot. Oh, okay. So you're going to make a lot of money, right? Yeah. Right? That's not yours? Uh, well, it, it becomes ours. How is that not stealing? I, I picked an actress who I kind of been dying to pick for a while now, so oh, I kind of bit exciting, the bullet. Exciting. I picked uh, Imogen Poots, who okay. was also in Green Room with Alia Shawkat, so mm-hmm. I realized. But she's also in 28 Weeks Later, and she's going to be in the Why the Last Man pilot on FX. And if you're realizing this, yes, I casted two women as the mm, romantic couple. Very progressive. Very okay. progressive. It's not really that progressive. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> so, but um, I just thought that she could play someone who was, you know— Equally as miserable, equally as, like, attracted to the idea of, like, just, you know, not giving a fuck and enjoying life a little bit more until it gets, you know, one of them into trouble. And and then she's, like, I think she goes back to the life at uh, at at the fast family chain. Do you think she just, like, got a job at a different... She says it at the end. What? She's at, like, uh... Flamers or she's like because there's three flingers. flingers. She's at like there's there's tchotchkes, chilies, and flingers. <laughs> and she goes from tchotchkes back to flingers. Like she just move. It just seems like she moves between. Um, Did you read in the trivia where they said that Mike Judge based this whole thing off of like a real a real guy string of restaurants? Oh yeah, that exists in like Texas somewhere, uh-huh. and it's like a Chili's, a TGI Fridays, and maybe like a maybe it's Bennigan's. Um. So who'd you pick? I picked someone who I I love and was reminded of this past weekend because her show, uh, the new season, premiered. And I love her. I think she's hilarious and also very thoughtful. Um, Just super talented. I picked Issa Rae. Okay. Whose show Insecure is in its third season Mm -hmm. on HBO. Um, And I, I feel like it has to be like a few fold with Joanna. Because one, she has to be striking. Because obviously Peter's like the beautiful waitress at the restaurant. Yeah. Like the one everybody knows. Um, so that was like one part where I was like, Issa Rae is the kind of person that like when she smiles, you're like drawn to her. Two, she has that sort of like, eh, whatever attitude, but also could effectively, I think, have those weird conversations with Peter where it's like, oh, you're trying to... Uh, embezzle money from your company mm, but she never know. gets mad right <laughs> i i love when they're like when they meet for the first time and he's in this like hypnotic zen moment and they're at the at, like, and she like shows up <laughs> she's just, like what am i what just her sort doing? of like apprehension when she sits down and is like well are you gonna get another job i don't think i'd like another job <laughs> what are you gonna do about money and Bills and you know, I've never really liked paying bills. I don't think I'm gonna do that either. <laughs> uh, well, so what do you want to do? I want to take you out to dinner and then I want to go back to my apartment and watch Kung Fu. Do you ever watch Kung Fu? 
Kung Fu. Channel 39. Totally. You should come over and watch Kung Fu tonight. Okay. Great. Okay. Can we order lunch first? Yeah. Okay. When they <laughs> said Kung Fu, it was like my... I I had like recovered memories of like... Like I haven't thought about Kung Fu in years. It's so good. I haven't thought about it in... Oh... Gosh, it's like tucked back in the folds of my brain. It's somewhere. like the reference to Kung Fu, the TV show, and then like all the rap music that they play in. Is, <laughs> I love how these like little bubbles of like cool, like Kung Fu. It, it's man. just like here's like some cool pop culture that quietly seeps into this yep. like bland beige cubicle world that makes this so funny. Um, yep. I like that pick a lot. She's really good. Um, let's move on to Michael Bolton. I actually have a. a a weird issue about do you think this joke still works because you are mm. you probably cast for 1999 right like the story takes place in 1999 no not necessarily okay because i was like thinking very today yeah so and i'm like does this joke still work okay the audience for this movie now probably has no idea who michael bolton is like in the sense that if you if you grew up in the '90s, you had a much bigger awareness of the fact that he had hits, right? And no one listened to them except yeah. your parents. We would have to. Pay, I think I think you could make the same joke just with a different kind of celebrity. Yeah, I actually I think like a younger like a younger generation. I think our generation remembers Michael Bolton from the Lonely Island sketch, where he comes in to sing a hook on their like rap song, and he keeps singing about Pirates of the <laughs> Pirates of the Caribbean. Just so funny. I don't. Where I I'm trying to like pinpoint in my memories, uh, in my mind palace, where I know Michael Bolton from, like what how I had an awareness of him before that, and I think it was honestly just like I put him in that category of like yeah like people my parents' age listen to this music. What's funny is I'm on the other end of that now, so like I'll hear an artist and I'll be like, who is SZA? And they're like, uh, are you the oldest person <laughs> um, on the earth? Excuse me. <laughs> and I'll be like, oh my god, I am the oldest person. Like. Anyone that's like younger than 25, I'm just like, who is this person? I never listen to the radio anymore. And so now I find myself scrolling through stations because I'm like, sure, I'll like favorite the hip hop station. I like hip hop. And I always pass by it because I'm like, who are these people? I don't right. know. They're, I don't know them. I don't, I don't like this music. Yeah, you're aging out of this it. This is awful. not what I know. I'm going to go to the Sirius XM Fly where I can listen to my Bone Thugs and Harmony. Because if this movie's teaching us anything, it's we all start out as Peters and we all end up as Bills. Mm, yep. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Michael, you're up. Oh, I am up. So I sort of broke the fact that his name is Michael Bolton mm -hmm. because I did cast a woman. Okay. But again, I feel like you could recreate this joke with a different right. That's kind of what I did name. too. Um, and I, all I wanted for these parts was I just, I kept thinking of really funny people and honestly a lot of. For a lot of these parts, I was like, I just keep thinking of really funny women who I think could do a great job at this. Um, and specifically the moment that I felt like this person really has to capture is at the beginning of the movie when Michael is on his way to work and he's listening to gangster rap music. And then he sees uh, a, a black homeless man yeah. walking towards him and he like turns the music down and is like fully ashamed. I've got my pistol point cocked, ready to lay shots non-stop until I see your monkey ass drop. And let your homies know who done it. Cause when it comes to this gangster shit, you motherfuckers know who run it. Uh, we standing up for our own shit. 
And if you want this motherfucker to, to the, the test, test, you gotta realize. It's bad. It's funny. And I was like, this person just needs to encapsulate his whole like, hey, man, what's up, G? Like attitude. So I picked A.D. Bryant. Oh, from, that's so uh, good. That's a really funny from thing. Saturday Night Live. <laughs> really and uh, most recently, <clears throat> I Feel Pretty. Uh, which people disparaged, but I thought was actually really I didn't see it. cute and entertaining. She's so funny. And I feel like funny in the way that like when she first joined the SNL cast, I sort of saw myself being like, who is this person? She's never going to make an impression. And then hit it so hard at a certain yeah. point, maybe like two seasons ago and has been nailing it ever I think since. That's very funny. That's really, that's a really good point. Um, I love that pick. I kind of did the same thing, not in gender, but with ethnicity um, and I picked from the Mike Judge alumni, I picked Jimmy O. Yang from Silicon Valley, who plays oh. Jin Yang. <laughs> um, do you ever watch Silicon Valley? Mm-mm. Okay. Sorry. So he's a stand-up comedian who gets this role. It's like he plays like a, a Chinese national who comes to America to like work at the incubator. Okay. But um, the reason I picked him is because – Again, I watch this weird behind the scenes thing and they talk about Michael as having like a lot of anger. He's like the angry guy Mm. who's like – he like listens to like gangster rap. All his like posters at work were like Navy SEAL stuff. It was really strange. (laughs) But he's like a a nerdy computer programmer. So it was all about like – they were all just like, yeah, it was all about how he would just be quick to anger and like the iconic scene, like the kind of excuse the the term, but like the Goodfellas scene where they take the the fax machine to the field yeah. and just like smash the the shit out of it, and you see him just kind of take all that rage out. I was like, um, <laughs> I think Jimmy O Yang's character on Silicon Valley is has a similar trait towards T J Miller's character is just like pure rage towards someone, and I think it's very funny. So um, I put him in here and obviously he doesn't have to do – he doesn't have to feign a Chinese, you know. Yeah. He's from – he's from, he was born in Hong Kong but he he moved to San Diego I think when he was like 13. So he has pretty much an American accent right mm-hmm. now. But um, I also thought that he – he's someone who can be this sort of – on first glance, you'll probably dismiss him but could be a real like container of anger mm. about things like when um, – Although the other thing about Michael is like that one moment where he goes to meet with the Bobs and he like betrays his principles about being named Michael Bolton. And it's so sad. And you're just like, so like love Michael Bolton. <laughs> be honest with you. I love his music. I do. I'm a Michael Bolton fan. So tell me what's your favorite song of his? Mm. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess I sort of like them all. That's <laughs> so Ryan up the yeah. exact same way. I mean, I kept the one fact that I feel like keeps milling about is that when he's talking to Peter and the actual uh, error shows up on the printer, it like wasn't supposed to happen oh, yeah. in the scene. So he his reaction is legitimately like, what is happening? PC load letter. PC load letter. The fuck does that mean? Um... It's so good. And it's He's so, so good. good because it's just – you can see it. You can see it bubbling under the surface of like – I mean this movie is full of those people in the office that I feel like you see them and you're like, I'm sure they're fine. But just in case they like go crazy one day, it's going to be be kind to them. All right. 
All right, let's move on to Samir Nayina Najar. I didn't learn how to say it. He say he pronounces it. He does. No I... one in this country can ever pronounce my name right. Nayina Najar. Nayina Najar. Somebody's a fan. Somebody's a true fan. Well, as uh, someone who grew up with uh, my name is my mom's maiden name is very long and very incomprehensible to like to look at Caucasian children. <laughs> So you expect so I've much experienced this kind of like on a second degree of just like, how do you say this? And it's like, you say it like this. And even after you say it like a hundred times, they're just like, fuck it. We're not going to. Yeah. And so I, I sympathize with this guy so much that I'm just like, yeah, I'll, I'll learn your fucking name. Samir, not Naina Najar. Okay. Um, on principle. Is this me? Yep. Do it. Samir was probably the hardest one because mm. I kept thinking like, how do we change this up? How do we like uh, rearrange this character sort of in a modern way? And I kind of was just like, you know what? No, I want to pick an Indian actor mm-hmm. because I think it's important. His character comes with a lot of that upbringing of like, I want, I, I'm here to experience the American experience. Like, yeah, I'm an immigrant. I, I, I came for a better life. I want to just do everything lawfully, you know, and then until Peter like brings him into this like Superman three, <laughs> like, which I always thought was so funny. Didn't they do that? Superman three. Um, mm. And so to see him kind of get the brunt end of this, of the stick in, you know, the American tech industry mm-hmm. to then be wrapped up in something that could be a federal crime, I thought was like really important. <laughs> I, I don't want to go to any prison. Why the hell did I do this? I've never done anything wrong in my whole life. We weren't thinking clearly because you told us we were losing our jobs. And now look at us. We're, we're worried about going in a prison. It kind of took me a little while to find this guy, but mm-hmm. I picked Karan Sony from Deadpool. He plays the dry. He plays like I, the cab driver uh, that Deadpool like okay. shuttles yeah, yeah. around with. And I haven't seen Deadpool 2 yet, but I'm. Uh, he's also in Deadpool 2, so I don't know what his story is in that. I'm assuming... The same stereotypical taxi cab driver. I'm not a fan of Deadpool. That's fine, but are you a fan of this pick? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's I, funny. I, the Deadpool. only thing I've ever seen him in is Deadpool, Deadpool and right. he was uh, funny in the way he needed to be to be in that movie. Okay. But I'm sure it'd be interesting to see him outside of the the shtick that Deadpool was. Yeah, I do too. Like, because this is a wildly different kind yeah. of comedy where yeah. it's like this is this guy's life. Like when they go to the barbecue. And they meet the lawyer who tells them, there's like, no, you're not going to a white collar conjugal <laughs> visit prison. Uh, what does he say? He's like, I haven't had a conjugal visit outside of prison. He's <laughs> like, goddamn, I'm a free man. I haven't had a conjugal visit in six months. Um, Again, it's a product of. I don't know him either, but. um, It's a product of like when we, when I feel the desire to like match uh directly with a with a previous character or to just like create a diversity in a place where I think it's natural to do it. Sometimes I'm frustrated at how like we've just excluded so many talented uh, other uh, groups. So it took me a while to also find somebody that I felt really happy putting in the part um, because it is so specific and he's got to be just that right kind of like funny. Yeah. Also, also in the way that Michael is sort of bubbling under the surface 
Um, because they they do have this vibe when they all meet together to talk about the plan of they want so badly, I think, for this to be they want it to be as tame as possible, but they also kind of want to be criminals. Yeah. And so that mix of energy is very interesting. Um, I so I gender swapped this role because I literally thought of one person and was like, it cannot be anybody else. I picked a Parna Nontrilla who has the funniest Twitter. She's a stand-up comedian. I saw her at a storytelling here in town. Oh, that's, guys, we live in LA. <laughs> Sometimes we see celebrities. Yeah, she's hilarious. She's hysterical. I've watched her on, I started watching in the second season, Pete Holmes' show, Crashing, which is really uh, funny and lovely and charming. And she is in that and she nails it. I think she's hilarious and absolutely brings a sort of like deadpan comedy that I think would go over very smoothly, especially when you mix energies of actors. Like if you put her and A.D. Bryant and John Reynolds in a room together, like I like that's funny. I like what that environment is. Yeah, that's really funny. She's great. She's so funny, like probably someone that you're definitely going to see a lot more of in the next. Yeah. 10 years go follow her on twitter because if you just want like so a funny. sample of how hilarious she is on the daily mm-hmm. twitter great pick thank you let's move on to probably the most important cast right because it's like without lumberg yeah you really don't get peter kind of like being the, pushed the misery so bill lumberg played by gary cole who um just Fucking nails this role. I'm gonna have to ask you to go ahead and move your desk again. So, no. if you could go ahead and get it as far back against that wall as possible, that would be great. No, no, because I was. That I way, we'll have some room for no some of these had to move boxes and things we need to put in here. Everything he does is. It's sort of like he happened to be walking past your cubicle and like popped in to say something. And so what's really funny is when they end up putting Milton in the basement, he approaches him with that same energy, even though he would have had to make a choice to come to the basement to come and see him. Dude, he's like a wraith. Yes. He just like appears. He's, and so it's so it's so funny to see him sort of like pop in like, mm, yeah, because you're like, you had to come here. When he steals Milton's stapler, oh. it's so inconscionable. Like you're, you're, it put so much rage in me. Where he's just like, oh, there it is. What? It, Here, let me just go ahead and get that from you. Great. And then there's like a little yank, and you're just like, it doesn't make sense. Oh Why would he steal it? Um, who? Is, oh, I'm so it's, okay. It's so you. I'm going first. So I played. I felt like there was a really obvious answer to who Lumberg was, and I wrote his name down. And then I thought of somebody that I was like, this is a, this is a better choice, and it's a braver choice, and I'm taking it because I think it's a win. Who is it, Kenneth? I went with Parker Posey. Wow, I love that. That's. <laughs> just now well i was like I, my fingers were ready to type in who this <laughs> fucking random person was gonna be and now i'm like what if i oh, was like shit. rafe spall <laughs> <laughs> well, i know everybody in the who last episode be a was choice? like okay kenna <laughs> you want this man to lead a movie <laughs> um wow parker posey so fucking good she would she would nail it and she would nail it in a different way which i think is very interesting like, you know she That's would bring something exciting good. to it. Thank you very much. Um, I have no bad things to say. And if you don't know who Parker Posey is, I'm sorry. Just watch 
Just start watching movies. You'll eventually find her. She's yeah. fucking so good. Well, if you saw... Um, Waiting you for... Got, you got mail, which we did. Oh, yeah, we did. But, like, she... all her Christopher Guest movies, mm-hmm. Waiting for Guffman. Gosh, she's so funny. Uh, Best in Show. She's in Lost in Space now. She plays, like, the crazy doctor, right. which is really Dr. Fun. Smith? Doctor's... Not Dr. Zayas. That's Planet of the Apes. Huh. Yeah, Dr. Smith, I think. Um, which great choice. She has got this sort of like wild energy. Yeah. That's really interesting. So you picked a, a female Lumberg. Mm-hmm. I was thinking that I had to keep sort of like why you picked Peter as a white man. Mm-hmm. I kept Lumberg as a white man because okay. these older generations sort of hoist this label on us millennials as yeah. like – we're lazy, we're unappreciative, we don't work hard. And it's like we have – every one of us has two jobs. Yeah. Like even if you have a normal job that pays you well, you have a second job. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how you can tell us that we're you know lazy or that we don't you know strive for things. So I kind of wanted that generational thing because I think like Peter and Samir and Michael are all like a younger crop of programmers and Lumberg is this guy – I feel like his dad owns the company, you know, like he just sort of lucked into this yeah. position. Like he probably doesn't actually know what they do. Yeah. But he is a manager of people. Right. Which he's not good at. We feel that the problem isn't with Peter. Mm-mm. It's that you haven't challenged him enough to get him really motivated. There it is. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm just not sure about that right now. Yeah, Bill, let me ask you, how much time would you say you spend each week dealing with these TPS reports? I picked an actor who you'll definitely know, I think, who I have recently fallen in love with on HBO's Succession. I picked Matthew McFadden, who was in the brand new, the brand new, he was in the recent Three Musketeers, which we could not talk about. He is Mr. Darcy. He plays a character on Succession that is so good. He he's a guy who's trying to get in on the like the 1% family like he's marrying in, but he's mm-hmm. such a dweeb and he's so awful at like watching him sort of play the game and he to me I think he's an extraordinary actor to pull that off. Mm-hmm. So that's who I picked for Lumberg because Lumberg is someone who yeah. anytime he shows up, your skin needs to crawl. You kind of just need to feel that stress that you that you maybe feel at work, and it's just so awful that the, like the thought of your girlfriend sleeping or your partner sleeping Ugh. with him would drive so you upset. insane. Like, and he, um, if you haven't seen Succession, I I love it. A lot of people aren't watching it, but I think mm. it's so good. I think Matthew McFadden is an interesting choice because he's been making interesting choices because he's sort of a serious actor. Yeah, who, he's like a period piece English can, like, actor. Lean. Maybe a little softly yeah. to comedy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Him uh, as Mr. Darcy in Pride and Prejudice walking through that field in his long jacket is <laughs> one of my favorite pieces of film in the entire world. I'm in tears, if not by that scene, during that scene. Yeah. All right. Uh, we talked a long time about this movie. I actually think this might be one of my favorite casts on both sides. <gasps> I love it's your really cast. It's really solid. I love your cast a lot. And I love my cast too. So it just brings us to the last bit of casting. Where does Barry Pepper go? This one was kind of hard because B-Peps doesn't do comedies too much. I mean, Monster Trucks, that's probably the closest (laughs) comedy he's ever been in. Oh, 
Oh boy. Um, so I slid him in for Bob Slidell, the the main Bob, the consultant, the John C. McGinley. Yes, who has great yeah. lines of his own. You know. Oh, so good. Yeah. I think I think B. Peps would uh would settle into that really well, even if comedy's not his forte. I think he'd do okay. Would you? Would you? Um, I made him the Tchotchkes manager, <sighs> aka Mike Judges. That's so part. funny. Because yeah. he's not in there frequently, but when he is, that's so funny. I think you're good. I think he's gonna be like. I'm just. I think he's just gonna try out his acting chops. Yeah, it's so funny when she. <laughs> And Brian is also like Brian. He's the worst. So can I get you gentlemen something more to drink, or maybe something to nibble on? Some pizza shooters, shrimp poppers, or extreme fajitas? Just coffee. Okay. Sounds like a case of the Mondays. So we were going to pick Lawrence and Milton, mm-hmm. and so uh, and but then we switch it, which I think you're right. But I do have some people listed for Lawrence and Milton. Some little honorable mentions. Me too. Oh, girl, Kenna. Kenna's in on the game. Okay. We did it. I usually hate Brian for doing this. So uh, f- I picked a very strange Lawrence. I picked Justin Long. Not strange. Okay, I see that. Okay, you get it? Okay. Yeah, I see that. Yeah, he's he's so funny. And he's very good at, like, very weird characters. And yeah. I don't think, like, Lawrence seems like kind of like the burly kind of, like, construction guy. But it- I'm sort of imagining him as, like, uh, dodgeball Justin Long, where he's this, like, sweaty, anxious cheerleader. But, like... <laughs> As Lawrence. Who'd you pick? I picked Bill Hader. And I think I picked him specifically because it's a bit part. He can pop in. Mm -hmm. Also, Lawrence reminds me of Bill Hader's character in Hot Rod. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, pools are great for holding Who'd you pick for Milton? Bobby Moynihan. Oh, that's good. I picked Patton Oswalt. Also a very good choice. Thank you. I mean, these are all just honorable mentions. But um, there's a lot of great characters. Um, Who's the... uh, Orlando Jones is the magazine oh, salesman. Oh my god. This is the only bit I wrote down because I sent it to you earlier this week where it said in the trivia, Orlando Jones based his character off his niece who, when she sold Girl Scout cookies, just had a bad she had attitude. A bad attitude. <laughs> I, I laughed at this. I, I forgot he was in the movie. And so when he when they open the door and he's just kind of like looking up. Good evening, sir. My name is Steve. I come from a rough area. I used to be addicted to crap, but now I'm off and trying to stay clean. Okay. That is why I'm selling magazine subscriptions. I was like, this is comedy gold. He's so funny. (laughs) Um, And then he's like, I didn't really do any of that. I'm I'm in tech. um, I don't have any notes for this movie because I think this movie is so funny and it it still holds up. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you have anything about this movie? My favorite joke in the movie is the one where... Uh, he says, "I when he's talking about his his girlfriend at the beginning of the movie, and he keeps saying, I get the feeling she's cheating on me.' And everybody, will, everybody he says it to is like, "Yeah, me too." What does that what, mean? What a great, what a great <laughs> joke that is. Um, I I had noticed a lot of the background jokes that had mm-hmm. been in this movie, like the planning to plan board <laughs> yep. when he walks into the meeting with Bob's, <laughs> or that um, the inatrode like statue is. A square peg in a round, <laughs> in a round hole. hole. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> uh, okay, guys, thanks for joining us this week. I hope you enjoyed Office Space. If you did, please check out our other episodes. Subscribe to your friends. Kenna, 
Where can the people find us and where can they spread the word about the pod? You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, which is our, our podcasting host, or wherever you get your pods. Just give us a search. You can find us on social media at The Boot Podcast on Twitter and at Boot Podcast on Instagram. You can find us individually because we're two separate people and not one robot at Kenneth Trent and at Flynn B. Okay, guys. Uh, we'll see you next time. Bye. Excuse me, senor. May I speak to you, please? I asked for Mai Tai, and they brought me a pina colada. And I said, no salt. No salt for the margarita, but it had salt on it. There's big grains of salt on Los Santos. Again, I won't be leaving a tip. Because I could, I could shut this whole resort down. Sir, I had to take my traveler's check to a competing resort. Let's write a letter. You afforded tourism and I could have this place condemned. I could put I could put strychnine in the guacamole. There was salt on the glass, big grains of salt.